Thank you for listening to this Podcast One production. Available on Apple Podcasts and Podcast One. Napa know-how. This month, Napa's got all kinds of motor oil deals that can save you some serious cash. Like a five-quart jug of Napa Full Synthetic Motor Oil for just $16.49. With savings like that, you may start feeling like a VIP. But don't let it go to your head. These oil deals are for everyone. Quality parts, helpful people. That's Napa know-how. Napa know-how. General states pricing. Sales price does not include applicable state local taxes or recycling fees. Offer ends 831.20. Tell your chico pit boomers 305, but it said Mr. Worldwide. You already know what it is. Listen to my new podcast from negative to positive. Subscribe today. Now, part of the things that we're doing over here at negative to positive is encouraging people to change their lives, change the things that are within their power. I want to thank our good friends at KFC for helping me bring this to you. Feed your whole crew with KFC. Let's go. I can get the KFC bucket of chicken and you know, that's fire. Now, Bobo, you know that you could get that mac and cheese, that mashed potato, gravy, those biscuits. Now that's, that's trouble right there. That is fire right there. You know, on negative to positive, we always talking about striving and achievement and, and the Colonel Sanders story is, is a story that inspired me since I was 10 years old. Look how our life comes full circle. Now I'm talking about Colonel Sanders and Kentucky Fried Chicken and how much I love it. <laughs> Listen to my new podcast from negative to positive. Check out the vodcast. Subscribe today. Apple podcast. Podcast one. Spotify. New characters have been revealed for Suicide Squad 2, and we have a look at the first trailer for the Sundance Hint Late Night, and we have a new writer for the Gundam movie, the live-action Gundam movie. It's right here. It's Movie Talk. I'm Mark Riley, in for Perry Nemiroff, and this is going to be a hell of a show because here we go, the wide shot. That's right. Koi Janru is here and Dennis Zen joining me on the table. Welcome, guys. How are you today, Koi? Very excited. I love, I love the depth of news we're about to dive into and the weirdness of the opening. The weirdness of the opening and how perfect that you're here for the first story. Dennis, how is your day? Are good, you excited? Good. This is a new combination for us. Yeah. I don't think we've yeah. ever done this, this th- three-person combination here. Yeah, it is. It's a good three-person combination. We're going to get right to it right now because we have a reveal. Our own exclusive, Jeff Snyder, has revealed... Through Collider.com, you can check out the article right now that we have new characters joining us for James Gunn version of Suicide Squad 2. We're hearing that it's The Suicide Squad that is a soft reboot. Now, we know that Idris Elba has now taken over the role of Deadshot for Will Smith. Will Smith uh, apparently had scheduling conflicts. I don't buy that. But... uh, (laughs) Uh, but we get Idris Elba nonetheless. Now, Harley Quinn, Margot Robbie is also rumored to be a part of this. Uh, haven't had anything firm up yet, but we do have these new characters. And I'm going to list them here. You can get a little bit more detail on Collider.com. But it's Ratcatcher, a.k.a. Otis Flanagan. Uh, Nano? Am I doing that right there? I, it's hard because it's written in a comic, so I always like make okay. it in my head. It sounds right. It, uh, A.K.A. King Shark. I can get behind that big <laughs> giant shark uh, that I hope re- returns for the Meg sequel. Uh, Polka Dot Man, A.K.A. Mr. Polka Dot, and Peacemaker, A.K.A. Christopher Smith. Right now, Suicide Squad is on track for August 6, 2021 release. Koi, please tell me more about these characters. I know nothing about them. So these are some deep-cut, sweaty characters. Are they? Like, these are characters I never thought would see the light of day. I thought when we got King 
King Shark on Flash. That was going to be the extent of it, and that was a bold choice. But King Shark is kind of like the Street Sharks. Do you remember Street Sharks, that animated show? Yes, I do. It's a very similar situation yes. where it doesn't make sense to anyone, including the canon that it's in. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's barely explained. Like, the idea that he's the son of a shark god is referenced in some continuity. Another continuity, it's a mutation. Sometimes they combine the continuity like he's delusional. It's a very weird character. Uh, personally, I love the idea that they're making Ratcatcher female. Yeah. Uh, that is the current rumor that Ratcatcher is going to go that way. That's right. To me, she's always been like Swarm, which is one of my favorite awful Marvel characters. Oh, okay. uh, there's a character named Swarm that is a Nazi that controls bees, and he for- he's, he's like dead, and he forms a bee body with his body. <laughs> Ratcatcher, however, uses them as like minions, kind of like vermin. Okay. Uh, there's a character named Vermin in Marvel as well. So this is a kind of a combination of those. Uh, she loves. She's like a slow burn. Like she likes to plant like traps and rats, and it's a very weird. Like remember uh, Willard uh, with yes. Crispin Glover, kind of like that. Glover. So that character, but now made female. So I'm really fascinated by that choice. Uh, I also feel like them choosing Polka Dot Man is them trying to one up themselves off of Boomerang. Okay. Uh, because Boomerang is such a D-list character that uh, Polka Dot Man. Like I feel like James Gunn's like, oh, you thought those were weird characters. <laughs> so all of these to me, like King Shark feels like a supplement for Killer Croc. Yes. Polka Dot Man feels like a supplement for Boomerang. It feels like James Gunn is assembling his own like well let me show you what the D-list can be here which is what he did with Guardians like the Guardians team he assembled was never in the comics as a team that was an assemblage of different decades of Guardians that he made his team and now the Abnet run and many comic runs have followed suit so I feel like after we see this movie and Peacemaker is very much I mean, we know that's going to be Batista. That's the rumor. That's the thing that's going forward. Right. Once this is locked in, I guarantee the comics will follow suit. In six months, we'll see this team in the comics. And James Gunn putting this together almost feels like a one-up. To me, this level of what are you doing feels like a challenge. He's like, I want to see how bad the internet gets mad at me. I want to see <laughs> how upset the trolls get. And I want to see if you thought Guardians was weird. Here, here hold my beer. Yes, exactly. And that's what I, I got from I got a lot of Guardians of the Galaxy vibe from this. Just reading the descriptions, just yeah. looking at the... The colorful characters. If anybody can do it and make you care about them, it's James Gunn, and he is coming in hot off of what happened over at Disney, and now he's at Warner Brothers. I find it interesting that this is happening, and as you mentioned, yeah, we're getting a gender swap on one of the characters, and we're also getting uh, Dave Batista is apparently the front runner for this role yeah. per James Gunn. That makes a lot of sense. But Dennis, I'm going back to the Suicide Squad, the first movie. Mm-hmm. David Ayer directed this thing. It was a hit. Um, the reason why we're getting this part two, but is Warner Brothers making a mistake by, say, not bringing back a Captain Boomerang or a Killer Croc? Is that going to upset some of the fans of the movie? Maybe not so much as, uh, like, Koi knows a lot about the comics, and we're going to get the sweaties involved here that are loving on the comics here, but what about that movie? Uh, are, Are you upset that we're not getting maybe a return of Captain Boomerang, a return of, uh, you, you know, what's his name? Uh, uh, not the, the fire guy. What's his name? Uh, was it Pyro? I, think it was I thought it was Pyro. Yeah. 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 So I'm wondering Slipknot's that, not making it back, Yeah, Slipknot. And now we know um, that Joel Kinnaman, as reported by, the T, uh, by THR, that he is not actually going to come back. At least that's what their sources are saying. He won't be coming back in mm-hmm. The Suicide Squad. What do you make of all that? Is that going to upset some of the fans of the original movie? Uh, I'm sure it'll... Everything upsets everyone, right, yeah. nowadays. <laughs> well, um, it is the internet. But, you know, I, I think it's more of a case where they want to give James Gunn the leeway to do what he wants and put his stamp on it. Because I think with uh, with uh, WB, they're finding, okay, they tried to copy Marvel. It didn't really work for them. Mm-hmm. And what has been working for them is having these director-led 
individual, almost standalone, even though the universe is connected, but more standalone movies. Look, look with what happened with Aquaman or, mm-hmm. and Wonder Woman. So I think in this case, they're like, no, 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 here we go. Let James Gunn do it, what he wants. He's, I'm sure WB had nothing to do with, I want Polka Dot Man and, and Rag. You know what I mean? That's not a, yeah. that's not a, a corporate decision. Right. That's not the sexy choice for, for, for those characters. So I think it's what he wants to do, and they're just giving him the leeway because they saw the success they had with Guardians and with those, those strange characters, a talking raccoon, a, talk, you know, a, a, a giant you know, a tree mm-hmm. that, that only says one word. You know what I mean? So they're giving him that leeway. And I think it's, it's, it's very interesting because, you know, I actually want to kind of see like some, someone like Jai Courtney come back as Captain Boomerang because I thought that was the, his best role outside of what he did, did in Spartacus. Mm-hmm. You know, I think in other movies, he, I don't know if he was miscast or, or the roles weren't uh, right for him. But I, I would have liked to see him back. Obviously, uh, Harley Quinn, Margot Robbie, uh, she kind of was the biggest star to come out of Suicide Squad. Sure. And so they're definitely going to have to have her back. But it sounds like more in a minimized role. Yeah. Um, and, you know, Idris Elba is dead shot. You know, I, I love Idris Elba. Perfect. So that's that's fine. Not that I didn't like Will Smith in that role. It's just if if he can't do it whether it's really schedule uh things or whether he just doesn't want to come back to a franchise that is potentially you know rebooting itself uh mm. so i yeah interesting choices not my choices right. uh, in terms of uh, characters that i want to see but we're all trusting that james gunn knows what he's doing yeah and uh i think he does and uh, again we we're everybody's going to bring up guardians we're looking at that yeah. success transferring over now he's got the weird characters but Dennis, you said something interesting. Margot Robbie, is she coming back? Uh, Coy, what do you think is... The rumor is that she's coming. I know we have Birds of Prey. Mm -hmm. She's filming that right now. That character lives on in the DC Connected Universe somehow. But can she make it over to the Suicide Squad? Should she make it over? Because she's a big part of this, and everybody's wondering. We want her. She was very popular. But would that leave open for maybe Captain Boomerang to come back or Killer Croc? And they assemble in there, and we just haven't heard that news yet. Well, I think what's interesting is, the like I was saying, the direct parallel of characters. So you've got your Rick Flag might as well be the Peacemaker, plus the other two I mentioned. Mm-hmm. So Margot Robbie could be like an opening scene where they have some of the original members of the Suicide Squad, ah. and then Viola Davis has to assemble a new team. Maybe that team's doing other stuff, and she assembles a team. We get an awesome James Gunn montage, cue the music, and the new team would be this team that replaces them for their specific goals. You assemble a team because one's the one's the intelligence, one's the brute strength, one's the blah blah blah. That's all. Okay, wait. What does Polka Dot Man? Polka Dot Man. Like, how does he take down enemies? I feel like that's going to be our katana where she surprises us, or in this case, he surprises us. Katana was this awesome badass that when you see Katana from the comics, you're like, how is that going to translate? I think Polka Dot Man. James Gunn can write so well. That's going to be our weird like. Wait, am I in love with Polka Dot Man? I feel like I seriously feel like he's our katana where it's going to be the big like no way is this working. Wait, do I want to be Polka Dot Man for Halloween? Right. So, I feel like they're all going to fill in a certain void and I feel like with the the Rick Flag mirroring Peacemaker, Margot Robbie isn't a direct mirror for any of these. So what they might do is have her in the opening scene and then she's the third act savior. So okay. you've got the team and then you've got your highest build stars, you've got your Jennifer Lawrence thing where she's suddenly the lead. You've got Harley Quinn where she's suddenly the lead because it's your bankable star. So I right. could see her being a savior in the third act and i could also see i agree man boomerang was the best i've seen him so if he comes back as that beer guzzling wolverine take i'm all about that so i can see them bringing the team and kind of doing a mesh at the end and james gunn paying reverence 
I also got to say, I love that DC's doing the Suicide Squad and the Batman as like, this is the definitive take we've added the. <laughs> so I, I think this is the Suicide Squad, and I right. want to see this take because it seems very inventive and it seems bold, and it does feel like DC is like, we tried meddling. Here's not meddling. Go yeah. Nuts. yeah. I, I like the Peacekeeper. I was reading up on him. I'm not familiar with the character, but that he's like a pacifist but he's an extreme pacifist that's willing to kill for his pacifism which is sometimes what drax is in in certain runs of guardians so batista as that take is such a great direct like use of james gunn's relationship with him i love that casting oh i love it and i'm wondering uh uh, for uh, koi you Mm -hmm. know the comics is there a precedent set in the comics because i'm just being creative here what if we have the original suicide squad and yeah we have idris elba replacing will smith and it opens with a mission and a lot of them die and that causes them to need to go get the polka dot man to go get the 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 king shark guy and and, and the polka dot guy that would what are his powers though just, like is he is he just like josh bakuga wears a loud suit and everybody runs away i love that we're like referencing polka dot man in casual conversations <laughs> he's the you most interesting out loud to me and i was like wait no this isn't coming out of my mouth i just heard this mentioned on a show yeah uh polka dot man i actually know the least about i'm not okay. gonna lie i know him from the animated series because that was my introduction to that weird pantheon of Batman corner sure. and for the life of me since that was the 90s I don't remember anything but his suit which is what we can see so I won't claim to know Polka Dot Man right. that way the internet doesn't come at me uh, but I do know that having a team die off and be replaced is very common that's actually how a lot of the X-Men we know came to be was a lot of the X-Men were on an island they had to go rescue them and that's how a lot of our modern zeitgeist X-Men come to be so they could do the Jason movie thing remember, remember the Jason reboot where you lived 10 minutes of a movie and then every Everyone gets, spoiler yeah. alert from 15 yeah. years ago. Yeah, Everyone gets killed, and then the movie starts, and you're like, wait, did I just experience a movie in a movie? That'd be a great way to do this new take, and I think James Gunn is bold enough, so I'd, I'd be all for that take. Uh, yeah, I'd be all for it, too. James Gunn... Uh Say what you will about the man and what happened, but Warner Brothers seems to have a lot of confidence based on, obviously, Guardians of the Galaxy, and we're going to see Suicide Squad. It's getting ready. Uh, what, what do you guys think of this new lineup? Why don't you drop some comments in the live chat right now, and we can keep talking about it, or over at Collider Videos Twitter, you can hit us up there as well. Let's move on to our next story, and we have the very first trailer for the Sundance hit, Late Night, and it stars Mindy Kaling and Emma Thompson. And she is stepping behind the desk of a veteran talk show as a veteran talk show host. I got a lot of Devil Wears Prada vibes from this, <laughs> which is a good thing in my mind. But this was a big Sundance hit. I know that uh, Perry saw it over at Sundance. She said it was great. Uh, Dennis, what do you think about the trailer? And I don't know. Are you feeling that this could be some Oscar buzz happening here? Is this something to look forward to potentially during Oscar season? Uh, I did enjoy the trailer. It's a, you know Amazon Studios purchasing this for I think yep. it was like thirteen million dollars. And you know it, it, in in the trailer, say the from the producers of the Big Sick, yeah. which got you know I think a lot of uh, uh, I think Golden Globe and it got like an Oscar nomination for I think best screenplay. Best screenplay. Yeah. I don't get that vibe from this movie. Maybe it's just because the first trailer it leans more towards the comedy part, where the Big Sick definitely was a comedy, but you had some more serious stuff happen in there. You can tell that from from the trailers there. This one less so. So I don't I don't know. Maybe there is something there in the movie that we just haven't seen so far, but. Uh, I, I like this. I mean, there was a couple lines in there that, that cracked me up. The yeah. like, come up uh, with the ways the show's bad and and tell me how to fix it or something like. Yeah. That's like a typical. If you work in any type of like <laughs> workplace environment or corporate work, like th- you've heard people say that before. Right. Where it's like 
here's the problem, but they're not like telling you what the problem is. It's just like, this is bad. Yeah, they just your see a job, line going down on the floor yeah. chart. <laughs> your is job bad. is to fix I'm not going to tell you why it's going down, but yeah. you fix it. Yeah. And then I'm going to go away here for, you know, on vacation <laughs> and I'll be back and then you you know everything will be fixed right, right. that doesn't right. have in the entertainment industry what are you talking about i've never heard of such it, it happens in every industry <laughs> never well dennis you bring up a good point the big sick um you know amazon studios buying this we have a, a very similar situation as a big sundance hit uh mindy kaling wrote this and so i'm now i'm looking coy what do you think that sure oscars get them out there but you know historically for movies like the smaller movies it's the screenplay that you look at mm-hmm. is mindy k look up for the challenge she's been a fantastic writer she wrote for the office her humor is wonderful could we maybe see her uh benefit off this not only is she starring in it but get more writing jobs and maybe 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 it's an oscar I, I'm going to own something on air right now. I am, for the first time, watching The Office. I'm, oh, my I, Lord. Right? So, mid-season two. You, we're wrapping up. <laughs> today. I got to go back American to The Office. office. Yeah, yeah, The American Office. You yes. watched the British one. Uh, yes. Okay. So, I'm mid-season two of The American Office, and okay. I, am, I am in the throes of loving Mindy oh. Kaling's writing. So, this is a great time for me to be seeing this trailer, because, to me, her voice has always been very unique. Her acting style is always very unique. There's a Mindy Kaling type. Like, when you see a movie, and you're like, I guarantee the breakdown for that was a Mindy Kaling type. Right. So I really enjoy to see her get to expand to write other characters, to write a screenplay, to write something that suits her. And I love when people that are that talent put themselves in movies. I love to see actresses go, no, no, I've got this idea. I want to make it happen. And then it happens. And then it does gangbusters. So to me, this is a great opportunity for us to get more humor that is this subversive, that is this strange, that is this bold and especially i got a bias man i want to be a late night talk show host so to see a late night talk show be brought to life here that to me is an angle that i loved seeing the newsroom i love that people saw the inside world of that entertainment i love reading books about late night talk show hosts but i don't feel like there's a lot of content about it compared to other jobs so to me seeing the amazing emma thompson plus mindy kaling plus late night show hosts i'm already in and then the caliber of the writing from the trailer the humor in the trailer i see why it was a 13 million dollar bid and i also see this as an opportunity for everyone that usually does these three for me one for you movies yeah. to get their time to flex their acting shops like it's this is very indie this is very we're not making this for the marvel dc crowd and i need that sometimes like i get inundated with it I, it's so nice to be like ah a movie it's gonna yes. end and i don't have to worry about thanos <laughs> yeah right. oh god i can just watch a movie so well, i'm excited but are you excited that it is a shared universe with the big sick and those <laughs> yeah. characters are going to now appear and uh, and then thanos of course is going to snap his finger and everybody's gone. Well, the Emma Thompson Easter eggs, I'm already <laughs> prepping my flow charts. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, but it shares similarly, like I said, with the producers. But you have, when you're talking about Mindy Kaling writing this and then also starring, that's what Camille did. He, he wrote right. The Big Sick about something that he was passionate about, something that he kind of lived through. I'm sure did, uh, this movie with Mindy Kaling, she's writing a lot of personal stuff. I mean, I like that one line that cracked me up. It was, I wish I could be a woman of color so I could get any job that I want. I thought that was hilarious because it's one of those things where you're like you laugh at it but there's like actual people out there who believe that to be true yes exactly so it's kind of like mocking them it's mocking them and i and i love that they're kind of pulling back the veil and they really have something to say mindy kalig is coming in and she's like it's that perfect scene that we've seen a lot of but she does some some great heart with it. it's like pours the trash out and say like, "Ooh, it's more comfortable and it's like just white dudes around her mm-hmm. they're like 
What are you doing here? And it's and obviously she's going to upend everything and do something good for the show. I really liked it. Uh, I, what do you guys think? Are you excited for this? This was a big purchase at Sundance. They're, they Amazon must think that this can play to your point, Coy. A little counter-programming out there yeah. during... Like everything, we got the superhero movies and Star Wars movies and everything in between. June 17th, that's right in the heat of summer. Is, do you think it's going to do well? Is this getting a theatrical release or not? Yeah, it's going to okay, be a theatrical release. Because they want to qualify for Oscar. You know, we've been having this big debate about right. streaming services versus Oscars, Steven Spielberg and whatnot. And, yeah. you know, as long as they follow, adhere to the rules, they should qualify for the Oscars. Oh, yeah, no. It's I'm, hit, I'm in that camp of, yeah. like... <laughs> uh, it doesn't say how many theaters, but it, it is hitting theaters on yeah. June 17th. Right. I, I think streaming is giving us content we wouldn't see theatrically right now, so it should absolutely be a credible source. Like, it's going to theaters. It's a movie. And even the theater thing is hard because theaters are dying out because people need to go see movies. Get A-list. Get whatever you need. Please just see movies. Keep theaters alive. I love them. I need them. Yeah. But I, I think that everything that is art should be considered art i don't think the category of art should affect it so i love spielberg but I'm, i know movie talks talked about a hundred times yeah but i think it's a very tricky line we're pretending to walk so i think june 6th is great because it's the heat of summer it's the heat of blockbusters it, it is directly counter programming and it's the type of movie we need more peppered through the year yeah. i buy oscar season by the end of oscar season i'm like i get it yes but in the middle of summer i need this so i want movie seasons to be less structured i love the fact that march isn't a, as dead of a month as it used to be. I love that April is when summer starts. I think we have 12 months of a year. We yeah. have all these streaming services. Release movies. Just do it. Yeah, and you know, to Spielberg's point, he wants movies in theaters. Well, here's a small movie in a theater. Go see it. Go support this. If you if you love this trailer, go see it because I love my boy Spielberg, but he is way behind right now. And I remember when the DVD, we, we were sharing an article and I was looking at when the DVD craze happened. Amblin <laughs> and Spielberg was like, nope, you're not getting any of my movies. This DVD, you have to watch them in theaters. And that's the only way. And so like, they weren't releasing on DVD. And good, luck like, yeah. <laughs> good luck with that. Yeah. Good luck with that. Good luck with the streaming thing, too. Like, your movie's not going to be on, on streaming. It's crazy. And, and you know, and I, I know this was probably like a year ago when he said, like, uh, if it's made for a streaming service, then it's considered. Or a TV movie, and right. it, it, you're going to tell me that the Irishman is going to is a TV movie, yeah? Because it, Netflix is behind it, exactly. Like, yeah, I don't I, think so. When he said that, I wondered if Scorsese called him up. <laughs> uh, excuse me, and he's like, "I'm sorry, but because Scorsese's with it, I think Spielberg, it, 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 he's going to lose on this. Yeah. I think, and it's going to happen, and that we're going to he's going to have to be fine with it." I also need to give uh, two credits to the live chat. El Diablo was not, El not Diablo. Pyro. Pyro was the X Men. Yep, and I just wanted to give credit Diablo before the internet gets this and we we lose everything. Uh, and also. Oh, yeah. Jason Statham for Polka Dot Man is inspired casting. Ooh, yes, all I about like that. that. That's a great call. Yeah, yeah I like kick that. out polka dots from his legs. Or I just, like I just, that? just all of that swollenness okay. of Jason Statham just covered in polka dots. So you're just like aggressively British. Yeah. Well, please uh, grab that uh, user and send his name over to Warner Brothers. Maybe he can help <laughs> out. All right, let's move on. Uh, so we have some plugs for today. Before we get to the next story, of course, uh, an all-new collider Jedi Council dropped earlier today, as well as a new Riley Roundtable. Hey, that's me. Uh, new episode is up as well over on the newly branded, rebranded Collider Conversations. That's where the Riley Roundtable lives now. You can check that out there. We also have an all-new Collider Live wrapping up the week tomorrow. It will be one hour long, 10 a.m. to 11 a.m. live. And then please check out the latest episodes of TV Talk. And we have a new Millennial Must Watch review up right now. You probably saw it on Collider Video's Twitter. That's where Dorian watches movies he hasn't seen. We cannot believe how many movies this man hasn't seen. <laughs> 
<laughs> he just did what Bill and Ted's, right? But he did Bill and Ted's Excellent yeah. Adventure. So he's catching up in all the right ways. Uh, guys, Bill and Ted's. One yeah. of the greats. Absolutely. And B- Big Lebowski. The first one, not like, the second one. You don't like Bill and Ted's oh, Bogus Journey? It's okay. But oh. it's, it's, not, it's not the first one. Dennis, I'm pulling off my glasses. <laughs> okay. How dare you, sir? Yeah. I think Bill and Ted 2 and Wayne's World 2 are slept on. They're not as good yes. as the first, yeah. but they're unique in their own weirdness, which I respect. Yes. Uh, I love that one. But... Uh, for everybody out there, yeah, go check out that review and hit us up on that Twitter feed. Give us some suggestions on what you want to have Dorian see. He has seen a lot of movies. I mean, but he hasn't seen, you know, all the good ones. So <laughs> that's what we're giving. The, the pre-2000s. The pre-2000s, <laughs> that's right. All right, let's move on to our, uh, our third story. And it looks like, according to uh, Variety, we have Will Ferrell is going to be reteaming with his Wedding Crashers director, David Dobkin, who's going to be directing Eurovision. And Eurovision is going to be on Netflix, and it's based on the competition, the Eurovision Song Contest which is a contest that began in Switzerland in 1956 with seven participating West European nations. In addition to starring Farrell, he's co-writing the script with Andrew Steele, who's a writer on uh, Saturday Night Live, and he's producing alongside his uh, with his uh, Gary Sanchez Productions and Adam McKay. So David Dobkin is coming back. Uh, the last movie, as I was, uh, we were doing off air, Coy was The Judge, which I didn't, I forgot he directed that. He did some Maroon 5 videos. He did an episode of Iron Fist. Mm-hmm. But David Dobkin really hasn't had that smash hit in features for Wedding Crashers. Now, he will be doing Wedding Crashers 2. That was announced, which I can't believe they're going to revisit that so many years later. But for this one, Coy, do you think this is going to be a return to greatness for him? And is Will Ferrell the key to this? I feel like when Will Ferrell works the director, it causes this this bond that we, we could use. I, I really appreciate the 90s, early 2000s. I guess mid late 90s, early 2000s, Will Ferrell was just this beautiful time of comedy for yeah. me. I love the Brat Pack. I love that era of comedy. Zoolander 1, not 2. And like yeah. Anchorman 1, I like 2. But okay. that, that time of comedy is a very specific feeling, and maybe it's nostalgia. Maybe it's because I was the right age for those movies, but I feel like we lost that type of comedy, and I love that comedy's gotten a bit more intellectual. I love that comedy's shifted to be more nuanced, but I also, every so often, I just need a Will Ferrell movie. So, at some point, I've run out of them, and I would like more, and this seems like a great opportunity for us to revisit that. I think Wedding Crashers 1 is a really interesting piece of the time. I like it, but it very much dates itself. It's very like a piece of an era. Ten years from now, it's going to be really weird to be like, oh, remember that time? And it's already there, so I'm curious how this shapes with the evolved sensibility of comedy. I'm curious in this post-Apatow, whereas Apatow is producing a lot more, he's not writing and directing as much, where comedy lands, I wonder what his sensibility is going to translate to now. So I'm very intrigued. I think him teaming up with Will Ferrell is a very smart business move. I just wonder what the comedy's going to feel like. Because Adam McKay even shifting over to drama. Like, yeah. The Judge was a very different movie. And I liked The Judge, but it was as tonally different as you can get from Wedding Crashers. Yeah. And Adam McKay has done that with Vice and all of his other things. So I'm curious, if Adam McKay came back to comedy, what would that be like? When Dobkins Ooh. comes back, what is that going to be like with these new learned skills? Right. And, uh, you know, I hover around Will Ferrell because you could also kind of say off of David Dobkin where Will Ferrell is, you know, Holmes and Watson. Yeah. Yikes. So yeah. Will Ferrell has kind of taken a step back, although his uh, Anchorman Ron Burgundy podcast is the stuff of genius. It's perfect. It is so wonderful. Please check that out. But Will Ferrell, Dennis, what do you think? So, yeah, he had a smaller role in Wedding Crashers, but kind of stole the movie for me. I loved him in that. Um, so he's reteaming with Dobkin. But it's for Netflix. Is that a better place for his movie and a, and a movie like this? Or are, you know, the big conversation, 
per Spielberg, is we have to see every movie in the theaters, otherwise it's not a real movie. But this one is going to Netflix. So is it a better place for it rather than in theaters? Yeah, I mean, I don't mind this going to Netflix. You, you have, look, not that Will Ferrell is, is, is where Adam Sandler is, but Adam Sandler signed that deal with Netflix that right. he would make X amount, like a ton. I forgot how long. It was like a six to eight picture deal where all his next movies were all coming out on Netflix. Right. Will Ferrell's not there yet, but I mean, you, you mentioned Holmes and Watson. Like, think about when was the last big, big hit that Will Ferrell had. I mean, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, you know, I'm trying in, to think. You know, he he he. Obviously, people knew him from Saturday Night Live, but in terms of movies, he got big when he did Old School with Todd Phillips, and that was the start of the resurgence of the R-rated comedy. Right. You know, and then you're talking about the Apatow era mm-hmm. and so forth. That generation. Now we're kind of in this kind of post. Apatow era where, where those movies aren't doing as well. They're not as funny as they used mm-hmm. to be. And now you're going into stuff like we mentioned uh, earlier with the, uh, the, the late, is it the late, late night? Late night, and, yeah. And the big sick where there are comedies, but they kind of have a little more drama, a little more nuance yeah. to them. So who knows? Uh, th- this might be the, the right place for it. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to wait and see. I mean, I'm a fan of both, obviously, and it could be one of those things where it appears on Netflix and becomes a smash hit. Everybody's downloading and having fun. I hope for the best because then we can see what is he going to do with Wedding Crashers 2. I don't know how you're going to do that same gag over and over again, but if anybody can, we'll see if David Dobb can. All right, guys, I want to remind you, though, as we get towards the end of the show, we're going to answer some of your live Twitter questions, so you can start sending them my way. At Collider Video, use the hashtag Collider Movie Talk, please, so I can find it, and we'll answer some at the end. All right, let's move on to our next story, and that is Deadline Reporting. That as part of his three-year overall deal with Legendary Entertainment, Brian K. Vaughn is set to write the screenplay for the live-action Gundam movie. Now, I know this was a big, crowd-pleasing moment when Gundam showed up at the end of uh, Ready Player One. I know nothing about this source material. I think everybody at the table is, knows of it, hears of it. But, Koi, I want to go to you because Brian K. Vaughn is a fantastic comic book writer. He wrote for Lost. He wrote uh, some great, great television. But he's now writing the feature of this. What do you think of it? Brian K. Vaughn does such an amazing job bringing the fantastical grounded. Runaways is a perfect example. Runaways, yeah. How am I rooting for the villain parents more than the kids? Oh, wait, now I'm with the kids. Oh, wait, now I'm with the parents. That is a testament to Brian K. Vaughn's brilliance. Uh, Saga, um, Why the Last Man, which is getting an adaptation. Oh, that's He's right. so good at nuance. And Paper Girls. Like, his... his Bibliography is insane. But what he really specializes in for me is making the incredible credible. So for me, Gundam is is maybe we finally get an anime that translates to film because I've been wanting Dragon Ball Z for my entire life since Toonami. And what came on right before Dragon Ball Z? Gundam. So Mm -hmm. if this precedes Gundam theatrically, then maybe Dragon Ball's coming and this gives me hope because Gundam... There there already was a Dragon Ball. I don't count it. (laughs) I don't acknowledge the cast of Shameless on Dragon Ball. That, that just, like, that didn't work for me. So, <laughs> so I really think that Gundam can be what we get to make this anime movie wave start because comic movies have been a thing for 10, 10, 15 years now. I think there's so much long-form storytelling in anime that would translate beautifully to TV now that TV budgets can swell a bit because that long-form serialized content. And I think starting with movies is the way to go and then trust in TV, give it a bigger budget. So I want Gundam to be this credible, insane 
space giant mech world and legendary is the perfect studio behind that like right. what they've done with godzilla what they've done with a lot of their properties i mean pacific rim is such a great look over here to what we can do with gundam so the teaming of these two i think is the best thing for the anime community and gundam is one that will sell tickets yeah. we all know the name we all want to be there and and detective pikachu looks fantastic yeah <laughs> Just plug that at the end there. Pikachu looks fun. Yeah, I can't lie. I'm not a big Pokemon fan. I know that if we were on Collider Live right now, Cody would start playing the music and we'd all be (laughs) dancing around. But um, I'm excited for that. But I hover on the writer, Brian K. Vaughn, who I'm a huge fan as well. Um, And every good movie starts with a good script. I mean, it's just like sometimes I get so upset when they're rushing these things out there and targeting release dates. But this one, we don't know if there's a release date yet. It's kind of in development. Um, So, Dennis, is this a good sign and that we can get a really good adaptation of an anime? Because I know that uh, there's been some misses as of late. So could this be one of the greats? Uh, I don't know if it can be one of the greats, but it is a good sign because yeah. you're getting a quality writer. I'm a big fan of Saga. I'm a big fan of uh, why, why the Last Man and the stuff that he did on Lost. And, and you're right. It, it works with legendary pictures because mm-hmm. they do have that kind of giant robot, giant monster thing going yeah. on. Mm-hmm. Who knows if Gundam is going to be part of this shared universe. Oh, can you imagine? Is Gundam- can they do that? <laughs> if they can, do whatever, right? they can do whatever the hell they want. Yeah. Um, they, probably won't that's, do, yeah. they probably won't do it in the first movie. Right. But, yeah, it's good that they started with a good script. Let's see who they get for the the director and see if they can translate this over. I mean, Gundam was something that, yeah, I knew about and I was interested, but I never watched it. Because people have to remember, you know, that back in the day, there was no internet. I think some people forget, like, back in the day, like, I, I watched some anime, but it was very, very hard because you had to find a store yeah. that would rent you the VHS right. copies. There was like, uh, I remember going to WonderCon way back in the day, and they had rooms where they would just play anime from VHS, and you would just spend your time. That's amazing. What, because you had no access. There's no internet. There's no streaming. There's no nothing. So the only way you can watch, and, and these VHSs are very expensive. Like I yeah. remember uh, Record uh, Lodos War. You know, if you want to buy the set, uh, of VHSs, it's like a hundred dollars or something mm-hmm. like that. Something that you probably could, you know, get for like fifteen bucks right now. Yeah, totally. Um, so yeah, it's just one of those things where where the the culture has changed and anime has has influenced much more mm-hmm. in, in the U.S. now. And I think the, the time is right. And yeah, I'll be honest. Like, I, I, look, I I did not like uh, Ghost in the Shell. But I actually I appreciated uh, uh, Alita. Alita. I didn't yeah. love it, but I, I I thought it was much more entertaining and it deserved more credit than than people gave it. No, I've heard that about Alita, and I've missed it as well. And I really want to see it because I've actually heard really positive things. So you can start putting Alita in that camp. I would say as one of the more successful ones mm-hmm. based on what I've heard. But because you know we don't know the source material that much, I'm putting it out there to you guys. What are some stories that you might want to see adapted for this movie? What are some casting choices? You know, let her rip for all our Gundam fans out there drop in those comments right now while we move on to our last story and that is IFC has released the very first trailer for the documentary documentary slash narrative feature titled Framing John DeLorean Alec Baldwin plays the famous automaker and the movie is described like this money power politics drugs scandal and fast cars the incredible story of John DeLorean is the stuff of a Hollywood screenwriter's dreams But who is the real John DeLorean? So what I loved about this trailer, it is cutting like real documentary footage, but looking to be like a real documentary, but then doing that like kind of like true crime recreation Mm -hmm. thing, but with 
Alec Baldwin. <laughs> so you're getting yourself a real movie here. It's, a, it's half a movie. It's all about the DeLorean. I loved this trailer. I am very, very interested. Dennis, what did you think of this first trailer? Uh, I was more mixed because yeah. the story is interesting and it threw me off that mm-hmm. like i was like what okay, about alec watching? baldwin's in it. is he narrating or is right. he in it and then they're like they start off with documentary footage and and i was like man if this is a narrative that 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 guy's a really good actor yeah. right there it's like it's actual <laughs> real footage and then you see the recreations i'm i'm not sure how i feel about this because like on netflix i'm watching something similar but it's 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 roman empire but it makes more sense there's no documentary footage of right. the roman empire you're not seeing like old uh, you know old emperors interact with, with the senate <laughs> and what you know what i mean there's no right. like so that makes more sense where they're doing those recreations creation scenes while also they have Sean Bean, you know, Game of Thrones uh, narrating over that where this is, yeah, an actual interweaving of these two things because I haven't seen it yet. I don't know if it's going to work. It worked. The trailer, it, it throws me off. Threw but, you off, yeah. yeah. But maybe in the movie it works. Uh, Coy, what about you? Did it throw you off at all or is it? Do you, did you dig that and do you think it's going to maybe alienate some some moviegoers because we do have a release date. It's June 7th. It's, we're actually getting it in select theaters. So um, it's not going to be wide, but uh, will an audience turn out for this if they see a documentary footage and then they see Alec Baldwin? It's like, what is this thing? I'm a big Big fan of mixed media. Uh, I love like that that new Netflix show, uh, Love, Death, and Robots. Mm. I love seeing when when and it's usually done in animation where media is mixed and you're not used to combining like CGI and hand drawn and all those different things. To me, this is one of the first times I've seen that done with live action. Uh, I think the true crime thing is a great example, but to me, this is a larger scope of of actually applying this type of narrative, editing with this type of narrative, and just hoping your brain keeps up. I like throwing off. I mean, I got a Burning Man. I like the cohesion being a little like you know messy. And like trying to reassemble the story and to see how I appreciate the art in that form. Yeah. Uh, I, I think the more we make movies, the more we make shows, the more we adjust our sensibilities to what we find acceptable. And I think at some point art has to evolve. So I think this is a great evolution for documentaries because I don't necessarily always watch documentaries until I hear from everyone how amazing right. they are. This Same. has me more intrigued because you give me Alec Baldwin, you give me a narrative story, you give me things that tie into my normal sensibility. And maybe this will be my gateway drug into documentaries. And I think that's a really good opportunity because I wouldn't have normally been like, oh, John DeLorean documentary, maybe. Right. But the the opening of this being all about like drugs and cartel and Reagan and they're doing the American Made meets Breaking Bad meets Escobar thing. Like Escobar changed everything. As soon as Escobar hit Netflix, it changed our sense of true crime. And I love drug stories. So this yeah. to me sounds like what crazy 70s, 80s thing did I miss now? Because apparently it was bitching. Yeah, that's what I got from it. I mean, that's like I'm like, oh, the guy that created the DeLorean that ended up in back to the future i'm interested but then there's like you see drugs you see drug cartels you see this guy that you know alec baldwin doing his thing and i'm like well there's more to this and they did this weird thing in the trailer and i want to say weird but great and it was like they said something about it being like he 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 hoodwinked he conned people and then they showed a shot from back to the future and i'm like wait a minute what are they doing here Mm -hmm. very interesting to, to consider i'm wondering 
what and how it'll play. So everybody, are you interested in this, or are you are you just wanting to see this for Back to the Future? <laughs> That's because everybody's like the DeLorean is will be forever known as the DeLorean from Back to the Future. But I'm interested to see what we get with this trailer. June 7th in select theaters. Are you going to see it? Let us know. Comments below. All right, let's go on to some live Twitter questions, and I want to start with this one because uh, over at Collider Video's uh, Twitter account, we did put out a question because uh, it was announced to. Today, or at least there was a report out there, the Disney Plus streaming service is going to have every single Disney animated movie on there. And the big thing was, it's not going to be in the vault anymore. It's going to be on there for you to see. So you can see your Little Mermaid, your Lion Kings, and on down the line. But Collider Video asks, what is your favorite animated Disney movie of all time? Coy, do you have a pick? So I've got a classic pick because mm-hmm. I feel like I should start there. Aladdin. Aladdin? Is, is of that generation, the golden era. Like, yep post-70s, like that time, yep. but my all-time favorite, the one I can watch every day, the one that I feel like is, is most me, Emperor's New Groove. Oh, like, look at my that. favorite Disney prince is Kronk. Yeah, I love that pick. That's not bad. What <laughs> are, about you, Dennis? Are we counting Pixar movies? Do they count as Disney movies? Yeah, I, I would say let's not do Pixar, just because if we're doing The Vault, and they're, they're okay. you know, some of, like, Koi's examples, yeah, your Aladdin's. I would put Zootopia in there, Wreck-It Ralph. Okay, uh, that's so the ones that are Disney, Disney studio. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I mean, you're talking about those golden era where they had the Aladdin and Mulan and Little Mermaid. I mean, Beauty and the Beast is always yeah. a good one. It's it's one of the best. We just, I know, that we just watched it this past weekend, just randomly on, and we just, <laughs> that magic got us. Um, I'm a Lion King guy. Uh-huh. It, always, forever, that music, Hans Zimmer's score, Elton John's songs, and then we had a great story, and uh, I cannot wait to see the live action. Sure, it's animated and computer generated, but for the, for all accounts, it's it's live action. I wonder what the next uh, live action movie they're going to base off a cartoon. But apparently, you're going to be able to see it all on Disney Plus streaming. So why don't you hit up that uh, thread over there on Collider Video's Twitter, and you can uh, drop it in. We had one that said the Hunchback of Notre Dame is their favorite. Hmm. That's a pretty damn good one. I like that one. Yeah. That one got the I think unfairly maligned it, when, yeah. when it came out. Demi Moore as uh, Esmeralda, Tom Hulse, Amadeus. Tom yeah, Holes yeah. as yeah. Uh, as the hunchback. It's, it was funny too because like the watching the movie was about this guy who you know didn't look the way that you know you think heroes are supposed to look. Yep. And that ended up being the reason why it didn't do as well. You know what <laughs> right. I mean? It was, just, it was the wrong lesson to be learned. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? So. Oh, poor Hunchback. Yeah. Uh, we'll see how it uh, does if we ever get a live action. I think they're working on it, but my God, they're <laughs> going to do everything. All right, let's get to the next Twitter question. It is at Man Japan, and he asks, what superhero or villain costume would you want to have in your closet? Koi, do you have an answer there? I'm sure you've thought about this Ooh, many nights. I mean, the, the answer is too many, but yeah. uh, it's really hard to top the bat suit because there's just so many opportunities for like the utility belt and yeah. like you could under the cover of darkness you get a cape. There's mm-hmm. a lot of victories there just from the kids' standpoint, right? Uh, but I gotta go with unstable molecules and go with the Fantastic Four suits because theoretically, any dangers I encountered, it would counter them because it can handle all of their crazy transgressions. So it's got to be completely, uh, you know, flexible. 
impossible. It's got to be bulletproof. It's got to be able to endure all these things. So I just feel like it probably doesn't get stinky because they go on all these adventures. Right. So I feel like just for day-to-day wear, I'd go with a fantastic suit. I like that. How about you, Dennis? See, I would pick something that not for me to actually wear, but I'd like the the Red Sun Superman suit oh, just because yeah. it's from an alternate other world's universe. And like to have something like that, it'd be like, this is one of a kind. Yeah, it's a collector's suit. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and I'm I'm sure, yeah, I do have a Superman suit hanging in my closet. (laughs) I I literally do. Um, So I won't do that. I would probably go with Spidey because Uh uh, he's my second favorite superhero of all time, and I get the web shooters. I want that. And if I could even go into the Marvel Cinematic Universe, I want the Tony Stark suit. Yeah, does the Iron Man suit count as it working? Because that's my, like, because that changes the... I'm going with that it all works. Okay, okay. That's why I'm going, because it's more fun that way. Right. Because I think everybody has a Superman suit or, a, or some kind of old Halloween costume hanging there where you look like a boogie. It's just you're just like I don't even know what this is. Um, but I want the I want the functionality. If it comes with the ring, Kyle Rayner's Green Lantern suit. Oh yeah. Because then I have every costume and I'm <laughs> Kyle Rayner, so it's there, a win-win. The creativity, the beautiful colors, the '90s weird crosshatch palette. That's all about. It. Yeah, that's that's a good one. All right, let's go on to another one. This is a great one. Uh, at K underscore uh, at K underscore Swizzle. Does the backlash from liking divisive blockbuster movies from DC, Marvel, or Star Wars ever lessen your enjoyment of the movie or property? It's a little timely here because we talked about this on Collider Live on what it is, you know, why we get yelled at for liking a movie or not liking a movie. And it's just like, what? why? Why do you care? Is it taking away the enjoyment for you guys? Uh, We do what we do. We love movies. But... Are you ever like, oh, shit, I don't want to talk about this superhero movie because it might upset some people? I mean, it it takes away from the enjoyment of trying to discuss in in a proper civil manner. Like, I don't mind arguments. I, you know, we argue here at the studio all the time about (laughs) what people people like, and that's not an issue because everyone here is respectful. The the problem is when you get into that territory. Yeah. So it does make that part of it because you know I love engaging with people who watch the show and watch our our stuff because I I appreciate them watching. I like to engage with them and I like to have debates. But I don't like like when it's like this, this you know, uh, you know. I know like people you know got you know yelled at and screamed at for let's say not liking Aquaman. You right. Know? So, you know, just something simple like it's like you don't like a movie, big big deal. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's not, or you like a movie, you like Last Jedi. Oh well. Yeah. Yeah. And then and then I moved on with my life. And then yep, exactly. So. What about you, Coy? I find I, I've worked on sets. I've seen what goes into movies, so I always at least like it. If a yeah. movie comes out and it gets made and it lands and it's not painful to watch, if it doesn't take two hours of my life away where I'm suffering, I will find something in it to enjoy, and that's always what I focus on. There's so much negativity in the world. If there's any morsel of goodness, my brain goes there. It's like, oh. you know how you don't remember bad memories? Yeah. I'm kind of the same way with movies. So I walk into a theater. I always find something I enjoy unless it's awful, and I tend to not talk about movies I don't enjoy. Like, mm-hmm. I personally think Armageddon I don't understand why people love that movie. So I don't talk about Armageddon because that movie's beloved and that affects someone's opinion of me and that affects someone's enjoyment of the movie. So I don't like to do that to someone's appreciation for a film because I know that movie took thousands of jobs, thousands of hours and everything else. So my not enjoying it only belittles someone's opinion but, on it. But and I don't think it me, should, though. But that's, that's the thing. Right. That's how they received it. Influ- yeah, but I don't think it should influence someone. I would like, love if the people look, didn't receive it. I things. actually enjoy it. Like, someone who you know criticizes Michael Bay all the time, I enjoy Armageddon. <laughs> but you not liking it doesn't bother me. But that's yeah. the rarity. That's the thing is the internet and and the conversations but it becomes I, I, like this. i think that's just a bigger 
conversation of sure. how people internalize these things. Like, be a grown-up. Be a right. person that has, you know, actual mature feelings and emotions. You can like a movie. You can hate a movie. That's not a, that's not a problem. Right. But, like, if someone else has a different opinion than you, you can debate them and, and talk about the merits of that. But what's the purpose of, like, going after them and screaming? And we're, we're not talking about going after. I'm not talking about, like, hey, I, I can't believe you don't like. I'm talking about, like, beyond that. You're talking oh, yeah. like, you know, oh, way I know. beyond that. <laughs> exactly. I know exactly what this is referencing. I mean, I, I said it on the latest Rule of Two, our Star Wars podcast that I host with Mark Fernandez. I had Perry Nemiroff in. Look, The Last Jedi, I loved The Last Jedi. If you don't like The Last Jedi, 100%, that is your prerogative. Great. Tell me why. Don't come at me and call me Disney shill schlockfest asshole. You know, it's like, that's what we're talking about here is how you come at us. Mm-hmm. We would love to talk. And to answer this question, it's like, I've been in movies. It'll never take away my enjoyment of the movie. I get excited mm-hmm. for a movie. Every single big blockbuster, that's, that's how I grew up on blockbusters. That was what I ate for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. So when a DC, Star Wars, Godzilla, Marvel, whatever it is, a big event movie, I am so excited to go in the theater opening night. I've had the feelings as of late, though, if that movie's ending and I didn't like it, I had the, oh, I don't want to talk about it over a collider because I don't want to hear it because I don't feel yeah, like you're there's not, a good you're, way. You're not worried about the conversation that we're oh, having. Oh, God, no. I never worry about it. No, amongst the <laughs> office, yeah. I'm never concerned. And, and that's one of the things that's interesting about this whole internet thing that's happening in our space is that I truly believe that if you're face-to-face with somebody, they're not going to come at you with like, you son of a whatever, with the last shot right. and whatever. Mm-hmm. You're going to have a little bit different reaction, but yeah. it's on social media where the anonymity disappears and you have, you know, a screaming Batman avatar <laughs> telling you that you're wrong for your opinion yeah. or whatever it may be. And I think that that's... That's what this is referencing. What I find tricky, too, is the, the need to dislike things for the sake of disliking them that I mm-hmm. think is, is getting to be more of a thing. Like, I, I personally loved Venom, and I had yeah. all the things that I loved about it that I could defend, and I get why other people didn't like it. I totally understand. But once those that first week came out, the, the aggression towards disliking it, the you're dumb for liking it, that's where it gets tricky because there's finishing a movie and when it ending, and you're like, man, I don't look forward to talking about this. There's also a movie finishing me and like, that was dumb. I'm happy. Yeah. And that's what's really hard to also counter is I don't want to have the argument of why I like something devolve into I can just like it. So I like appreciating art for what it is, appreciating movies for what they are, and I can even consider Venom art because in some ways. But I, it I is. think there's Absolutely also is. A, those a, conversations a bad movie is art. I don't care. You know why? It's because there's a director, a writer, actors, everybody is doing something, blood, sweat, and tears. If that mm-hmm. movie doesn't land for you, well, that's whatever. Again, your opinion, your prerogative. But every single movie up there, that's why I call everything art, because people are blood, sweat, and tears creative getting it out there. And if it doesn't land, well, that's the thing. Yeah. So, But for you, Coy, I am unfollowing you because of <laughs> Ant- yeah. Armageddon. So Let me starts. see here. This is yeah. where it is. And I'm also going to send this angry tweet yeah. right now. How dare Criterion's you? Armageddon. Uh, yeah, I know, right? <laughs> uh, all right. So we go into our next Twitter question. It's at MK Sonberg. Are there any movies from the 80s, 90s that you're surprised have yet to have a remake, reboot? Boot announced that you'd actually like to see. Easy pick for me is Last, last Action Hero. Wow, that is a good one. I, I wonder if you would want to remake that, though, because Last Action Hero didn't do really well. Mm-hmm. But um, let me start you off. Uh, there's, there was interesting, uh, you know, Robocop was remade. Um, we're getting another... Um, 
a sequel. Neil Blomkamp's going to do a sequel, but it's nostalgia fair that seems to be. What are some, yeah, some old, uh, like, uh, remakes? I'll start you off. Flight of the Navigator. That is a movie I think is ripe for a, a, a really updated reboot, remake, what have you. I love the original. Um, I haven't seen it in years, but that's uh, uh, Pee Wee Herman's voice in the, in the, in the weird uh, UFO thing. And it's a kid that finds this UFO, flies all over the world, saves the, the world, whatever. I think it's ripe for a um, remake. I'm a buddy cop guy. Oh, yeah. And I feel like the Lethal Weapon show season one was some magic, but it wasn't Lethal Weapon fully because it was on Fox. It had to be a network show. I feel like we are due for a Lethal Weapon remake. I feel like full buddy cop. I feel like full 80s. I want saxophone. I want cop on the edge. I want cliche lines launched to camera. I thought we were going to get that with Shane Black's Predator, but he didn't lean enough 80s for me. So if we can bring Lethal Weapon back in a a serious I'm acknowledging the winks way, then I I want that. I want Riggs to be Riggs again. And Clayton Crawford could even be in the movie because I thought he was great. Rigs. Yeah, there it is. Dennis, what about you? Oh, that one's tough. I mean, because yeah. they've remade almost everything. <laughs> the list almost, is small now. Uh, everything. So I'm just trying to think of 80s or 90s. 80s and 90s, your pick. 90s. I'm just trying to think of. I know what's been out there. Don't remake E.T., whatever you do. I swear to God. Or Back to the Future. Or Back to the Future. Oh, my God. Yeah, that Twitter thing. I remember they Terrifying. they posted that, uh, like, oh, people want to remake mm-hmm. or reboot or whatever it was. And I quote tweeted and I said, go home, you're drunk. And that, uh, <laughs> that got some action. Yeah. No pick? Yeah, yeah, I'm just trying to think of something they haven't done. I mean, they're already, aren't they making a Beverly Hills Cop 4 or something like that? Yeah, so. they're, they're, they've been threatening that for a while we're getting and coming to we're america getting, too yeah and then we're getting uh top gun too. top gun too yeah i'm wondering if now it's like less about the remake reboots but now it's more about the sequel continuation yeah right? the, that seems the 10 to be, 20 30 years right later. yeah for both seems, television and movies it, it, it's happening all across the board so i'll leave it with you guys as we wrap up this collider movie talk drop some comments in there what are some shows some movies 80s 90s what would you like to see remade and drop those in the comments or tweet at us at collider video and that will do it this has been a fantastic collider movie talk i'm happy to fill in for perry nemeroff who is on assignment i don't know what she's doing well she's doing something and you're going to see it on Collider Video, but I want to thank Koi Jandrew for joining us. Thank you so much, sir. Dennis Zen, thank you very much for joining us. And that'll do it for a new movie talk that's today. We won't be back tomorrow, but we'll be back on Monday, live at 4 p.m. PST. We'll see you then. <laughs> Napa know This month, Napa's got all kinds of motor oil deals that can save you some serious cash. Like a five-quart jug of Napa Full Synthetic Motor Oil for just $16.49. With savings like that, you may start feeling like a VIP. But don't let it go to your head. These oil deals are for everyone. Quality parts, helpful people. That's Napa know-how. Napa know-how. General states pricing. Sales prices not include applicable state local taxes or recycling fees. Offer ends 831.20. Stay little chico, Pitbull, Mr. 305, better said Mr. Worldwide, and I'm here to tell you about my new podcast, From Negative to Positive, brought to you by my friends over at State Farm. I believe that to have success, you got to play the game, so that the game doesn't play you. You know, the biggest risk you take is not taking one. It's very important that you make sure that you make the most out of your money, especially when it comes to insurance. State Farm offers surprisingly great rates. They have great agents standing by helping you personalize your coverage. All this is backed up by award-winning, easy-to-use technology. It's a great price with an even greater service. When you want the real deal, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there.